This is the Grin Podcast, and I'm Hindulsan Gupta. We are delighted to welcome Bhashwati Pracharya to this podcast. Bhashwati has many feathers on her cap. She's a trained doctor. She has degrees from Cornell, from Harvard, from Columbia in medicine, and additionally, she now has a PhD in Ayurveda. from the Banaras Hindu University and most recently she is a senior fulbright scholar exploring and researching ayurveda bashwati thanks very much for joining us thank you for having me hindul bashwati we want to talk to you about one very interesting subject that you've been delving into globalization and yoga and i wonder if you want to begin by talking to us a little bit about this phenomena of globalization and yoga or the globalization of yoga and what you see are its merits and demerits okay so i think most people know what yoga is so i don't think i need to define it <clears throat> yet most people think yoga is just the poses like an exercise club or they think it's the breath work and so we'll just say that yoga has many parts and we'll talk more about that as we get into it the globalization is actually not so recent it's been going on for uh, close to a couple of hundred years and there are many many people who explored india colonialists imperialists and various people who came to india looking for its riches in spices and and mahoganies and textiles and found that the people were very healthy and found these extraordinarily resilient capable people who knew everything from martial arts to modulating their own physiologies and when they looked into it they found that it was the science of yoga so they exported it they took it back to britain and other countries of europe and swami vivekananda who was one of the most famous yogi sanyasins took it to the world parliament of religions and there were people like madam blavatsky and um ani basant people who are from the west the mother from the orobindo area um the school and these people were looking at the deeper philosophical as well as the practical and you know exercise physical sides of yoga and that had been there and many people knew that about indians they pictured someone sitting in padmasana in meditation wearing orange or white and doing yoga usually of a medium to brown skin and very pious looking so fast forward to the 80s or 90s and there was a series of people in the 70s who had gone to india to study why because something was not satisfying in the west so you have these icons like george harrison coming and spending time in ananda ashram in the northern indian what's now you know rishikesh and uttarakhand and uh, renting time in a big mansion with a king to spend time with ravi shankar and learn about music and yoga and other things and you have people uh from bollywood sports celebrities politicians who have come to india and learned about yoga great those people that came to study yoga after those celebrities 
took their learnings back to America and we'll just say it was in the 80s and 90s and they propagated yoga in a very big way starting studios such as you know Bikram Choudhury he started Bikram Yoga and BKS Iyengar uh who was in India had a whole group of very devoted students Patabi Joyce um we had so many people but the one that people always talk about is the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi who started the transcendental meditation uh, movement and while meditation is considered separate from yoga by researchers obviously they both fall in the same to say the same science so the maharishi had a transcendental meditation arm he had a active yoga arm and he had a ayurveda arm which are all seamless sciences that really do go very well together much better than the sciences in the west the modern sciences who are all still fighting with each other and keeping their own departments and their own chairmanships to show that they are separate and distinct whereas the indian sciences talked about yog union the the word seamless you know integration of everything being completely compatible with the other the knowledge transcending one discipline and going to the other so that's a brief uh, summary of yoga and how it came to america there are many people i'm leaving out there are many trademarks and styles and Uh, types quote unquote types of yoga people say styles of yoga that are in the west now throughout and there are groups that are propagating them. so that is the history um, is that a good intro for yoga yes absolutely that's a beautiful summation of the journey and history of yoga now, when you look at yoga today Yeah, with apologies to with, the look- names I didn't mention because some of the people I mentioned are controversial simply because of some of their uh actions amid their wonderful actions there have been, you know, other actions. Go that's ahead. that's a, that's an important caveat. Ambashwati, when you look at yoga today, it's probably more globalized than ever before. Absolutely. And there do you consider this new age of globalization of yoga uh, a good thing do you think it's a boon that more and more people are talking about it there are apps getting built around it there is there are ai systems that are integrating into the practice of yoga or do you think in a sense it perhaps is getting into territories that really have nothing to do with yoga well on the upside is that all the information technology and as you mentioned and the integration of intelligence these are all from the ethers what we call the akash and yoga is a master of the akasha so the fact that people are using technology to access yoga is fine because it gets them there what's different now versus the 70s and 80s is when people brought those technologies one yogi person calls it the inner technology when those people came back from india and started their studios or their spas or their classrooms they um they obviously brought the merits that they wanted to 
propagate or the ones that they felt the most comfortable with in their communities, let's say in America or in Europe. And those merits stand for themselves. And because yoga is such a vast ocean, they are able to absolutely authentically propagate um, that to a wide group of people in their you know, area. So whether whatever religion they come from, they can say that, yes, these people are comfortable with the yoga that I'm teaching. But what they didn't access, which is very different now, is not just the techie people who are building apps, but the political people who never went into yoga because you know, in the 70s and 80s, it was almost anti-governmental. Uh, it was not looking at society and socio-political uh, perspectives. It wasn't was actually not playing the game. The whole movement of the 60s and 70s was anti-government, anti-establishment. And when you have this anti-establishment science where people are, you know, dressing freely, long hair, sitting around doing yoga and not participating in making money and having a salary job and wearing a suit and tie, suddenly you see a group of people who were oftentimes the kids of those hippies and yogis who grow up, they wear a suit and tie, but they continue doing yoga. And then you have the establishment of people that go into government and they're doing yoga. So of course, you know the example that I'm leading to, which is a young man who is famously known for being very poor and selling tea on the platforms of the railway stations, not from a high caste, coming from a very backward state where there was a lot of uh, violence and growing up and moving into a group of um, workers who do seva for you know the world around them and working his way up and becoming chief minister and then after 10 years, he becomes a prime minister of India. And of course, I'm talking about the honorable uh, prime minister, Narendra Modi ji. And he was doing yoga. In fact, he was um, practicing yoga and using Ayurveda and actually went into a small massage clinic um, in Gujarat when he was quite young and happened to find an Ayurvedic physician who had just opened up a simple clinic and took massages from him because he had some, you know, just some malaise or muscle ache. And that man that was the Vaidya is now the secretary of Ayush, Rajesh Kotecha. And they have known each other for a long time and they both know the power of Ayurveda and yoga. So what Modi did is... As soon as he became Prime Minister in May of 2014, um, there was a whole controversy of him returning to the US, which is not related to yoga. Uh, it is related to yoga, but in a very transcendental way. He ended up going to the United Nations. And in one of his first um, actions, he asked the General Assembly to accept a proposal to make an international day of yoga and that was passed by 100 and 177 countries and the first international day of yoga was the very next year it was the longest day of the year june 21st which is also the day that dakshinayana starts which means the sun starts moving from its northern to its southern point 
And the first International Day of Yoga, people were very kind of curious of what would happen. And then these last five years, so from 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19, we have seen tremendous, um, you can say, activity and participation where not only the consulates of India around the world, but the people in different countries around the world love doing their pranayam and their asanas and their lectures on yoga and this is the true globalization of yoga where it's not just a group of people that come here and export it for their own personal economic benefit or for teaching a few classes on philosophy but it's the establishment it's a prime minister of a country talking to other heads of state and saying hey do you want to do some yoga together do you want do you want to use technology of video and audio and you know podcast and and uh, show everyone doing yoga together it's a tremendous step by the establishment to bring yoga to everyone for its merits that's fascinating bashwati also to touch upon the other question the other part of the question that i was asking you which is the merging of technology with an ancient science like yoga you have of course observed many attempts to marry these two how successful in your opinion are these attempts what should we make of them and do you think there could be successful mergers in a sense of the ancient science of yoga with the cutting the latest cutting edge of technologies including artificial intelligence Yeah so this is a really important question because even in the 70s and 80s when people were doing yoga as in the asanas there was a whole group of critics that said you are not capturing the actual yoga and when you call it a style and you wear you know very scanty clothing and you pay $75 for a yoga mat and it's all about a fashion you're not getting some of the key aspects of yoga which are the piousness and the simplicity and going inwards because you're focused on going outwards yoga is about um unifying and and joining the mind the body the senses and the soul and you're ignoring the soul and you're indulging the senses and you're not in control of your mind when you sit down to control your body and this is not real yoga so that controversy has been going on since people outside of the guru shishya parampara which is the traditional teacher student relationship of learning yoga the um if you if you just learn it from a classroom and you don't have one to one guidance there's a lot of you know skeptics that say you're not really doing yoga now you take that ancient actual path of what is considered yoga and you bring it into the modern and you add in the little sprinkle of masala which is the technology that you just talked about the it whether it's artificial intelligence anticipation or whether it's an app where is the one to one direction where is the one to one guidance that we say is essential for yoga where is the guru shishya transmission of life energy when a live human being transmits energy to another and i will say that for some people the app is really good but i will say that also in some cases in the age of coronavirus 
this sort of human interaction of teaching may actually in in some cases may not be possible some people might argue that in such situations especially today in the age of coronavirus uh, perhaps technology can indeed play a role what do you think well the thing is um i think most people will say that yoga is something that works as a medical medicinal um application if you've already been doing yoga before you get sick so the app is really good if you already know yoga before you go to the app so if you're a first time yogi um i just had a a big which is a deputy inspector general of india uh write to me and call me recently saying you know i decided i want to learn yoga now i have some time <laughs> we're sitting in lockdown where do i start when you have someone who's in lockdown and decides to start for the first time it's a really tough to teach that person because of the you know an app won't do it i can't just tell them to download an app at the same time um it's it's very good when you've already been initiated by your teacher to have a lovely audio session or a video session where you can take in the philosophy or participate in a joint breath work what's pranayama uh session um my yoga teacher calls me and says here put the phone you know so i can see your body get on your mat and let's do a session and so asanas are very much possible meditation together in a group is possible on an app if you've already been initiated if you're doing it for the first time I will say that you're probably not going to get the full experience but at the same time yoga also tells us that we don't go outward to learn we should go inward so if you can start learning during this lockdown shelter in place period and then find someone because you've been working on your own and you're ready when the student is ready the teacher appears and so yes you can use something and get started and if you're really serious about it the teacher will come you will get your you know initiation so i don't i want to as we come to the end of this conversation i want to talk a little bit about the future of yoga bhashwati i mean as you were saying it is being discovered more and more around the world and especially we were just talking about the coronavirus we do seem to have been propelled into a world where more and more people would want a better quality of life mm. and yoga is indeed as many practitioners and medical experts like yourself constantly say is one of the best ways to bring about a certain holistic well-being between the mind and the body yes and uh, so there's a great amount of interest around the world and i wonder if you like if i could uh ask you to sort of you know crystal gaze for us a bit at the end of this conversation and tell us when you look at the future of yoga what do you see happening and also what are the one or two things that we are definitely getting wrong which should not be perpetuated in the future mm, those are great questions the future of yoga is very bright for people who have the basic needs met they're not fighting for food clothing and shelter they're fairly comfortable and now they're starting to wonder why am i not happy yoga offers people that ability to look inward right so that window of finding what makes them fulfilled is what yoga is the movement toward the minimalism the movement toward having less materially and having more in terms of relationships and fulfillment the idea of being happy the happiness movement talks about 
choosing to be happy, not going and buying something to be happy. And yoga provides the guidance on how to need less. Wealth happens when we need less things. So yes, I see the future of yoga providing and guiding people toward what the definition of wealth is. And I'll put in there that, you know, in India we say health is wealth. If you don't take the meditation side of yoga and you take the yoga therapy side where joining your mind and body together is going to bring you more awareness of your initial symptoms of disease when they start happening so that you can self-correct before you need to go to a doctor, then that form of yoga, we call it yoga therapy in America, but that yoga as a medical system is tremendous for people to stop cancer early on before it starts happening or to stop arthritis before it gets so severe that they need to start taking severe drugs or to stop diabetes in a very pre-pre-diabetes stage so it doesn't get worse. What we're getting wrong though is that people are not understanding that they really do need to spend more time with themselves. Most people are battling time. They're not understanding that daily practice means daily. And that means every day, like between the two times that the sun rises, you can't, you know, you can't do yoga at midnight and say, okay, I got mine done for today. That time spent is um, is not uh, being watched well. And the second thing I'll say that we're kind of getting wrong is Um, there's a lot of people focusing on the money being spent. Yoga does not cost a lot of money. Yes, you can choose to go to a class for $25, but yoga is something that's meant to be done, you know, on a dhuri lying next to your bed when you first wake up in the morning. It's meant to be done at sunrise and sunset. And people are not getting that they don't need to go to a class in order to do yoga. They're also not getting that they need to do the philosophy of it, the, the yamas and niyamas. So the yamas talk about not taking what belongs to someone else, not being violent, not um, telling lies, not having lack of intimacy in your relationships and really focusing on good, good relationships, quality relationships not hoarding these you know staying clean spending time studying something you really enjoy studying there's there's 10 in all but um studying those parts of yoga are very very important and i think if we only focus on the asanas you know the poses and the breath work pranayam then we're missing the real place of anchoring the mind the body which is the initial steps the yamas and niyamas that said, I'll also say there are many different ways of doing yoga and there's something for every person at every level of intellectual ability, every age, every walk of society. So you can get it wrong, but you can self-correct because yoga is there for And in conclusion, Rashwati, let me ask you, uh, why don't you, you know, end this conversation in a sense by telling us a little bit about your own practice and how it has helped you in your life. Well, I have the misfortune that I didn't have to learn it as an adult. And so it's very hard for me to um, tell people where to start when they're completely lost. I've had to learn that skill being a holistic doctor. I learned yoga from about the age of three, maybe I was two and a half. My father 
just started teaching me to sit still. And he taught me how to breathe. He didn't give me words for it, but he just taught me. He taught me how to plug up one nostril with a finger and breathe through one side and then change over to the other side. He taught me how to get into poses, which were you know, very easy when I was three years old. And it was kind of like a gymnastics, but he also taught me to be very calm. He taught me to be silent. He taught me how to think like a yogi. And then my mother, I would say, would do similar things. My mother did yoga until she was about 76 or 78 years old. And because I grew up with that, because there were so many people in Kolkata that do yoga, and then we moved to the US and we found people that were Indophiles that did yoga, I've had it around me my whole life, except for the years when I was in college where I neither had a dorm room that was big enough to put a floor mat down and do yoga. And it was very unpopular in my, um, I went to a Penn undergraduate. And at that time, it was the haven of materialism and nobody wanted to do anything related to, to the inner sciences. So once I got out of there and moved to New York and to Columbia, I found again that there was a group of people very international that wanted to do yoga. So other than those four years of college, I've been doing yoga my whole life and uh, it's an essential go-to for me. It's something I can take everywhere. I know how to do chair yoga and airplane yoga and desk yoga and bed yoga and all the different places that are needed to just go inside. And I, I welcome everyone to try that. And I do incorporate yoga um, into almost all of my patient sessions when I see patients. Fascinating. Dr. Bhaskwati Bhattacharya, thank you very much for this wonderful conversation. And as the, to reiterate and echo the hope that you've expressed in this podcast, may more and more people discover the wonder that is yoga. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me.